What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Greg Freeman, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at New Vision. Today we'll be reading Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 41, and I am reading from the ESV translation, starting in verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Verse 36. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now these narratives from the Gospels are so great because 2,000 years later we have the opportunity to see Jesus modeling discipleship. Now in the verses that precede these in chapter 9, we see Jesus take Peter, James, and John up the mountain uh, with him. And on the way back down, he explains how the pro- prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And he demonstrates another healing for them, uh, dealing with a demon the other disciples were unable to. And he's explaining to them what is going to happen to him, the Son of Man to fulfill his reason for being on earth. And it's true, they don't really understand, but he's so patient. He continues to patiently teach them. And that's just such an encouragement to me as I'm continually trying to learn what the Lord has for me. Now, as you look at verses 33 through 41, we see that the disciples are effectively asking questions of Jesus. They're not phrased that way, but that's really what they're doing. And the first one is actually initiated by a question from Jesus. What were you discussing on the way? Now, Jesus knows, but he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Note that the disciples got silent. Now, they had been arguing about who was the greatest. And in Luke's telling, he's even more specific. Luke 9, 46 says, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. So Jesus asks them, and they're silent. They're like children. They know they were doing the wrong thing. They got caught. So they thought, well, we're better off just being quiet. They still weren't getting it. But Jesus is still teaching them in the moment. And he tells them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So let's take a little bit of a closer look at what it means to be last of all and servant of all. Now, we'd probably all agree that the worldly view of greatness or success is one that includes having people work for you, maybe serving you. Greatness in the secular world is giving direction and making things happen. That's what the disciples thought. Dr. Danny Akins writes that the disciples still aspire to be sovereigns, not servants. I'll say that again. The disciples wanted to be sovereigns, not servants. In Jesus' kingdom, however, greatness is a function of service. Not only is it about serving, it's about serving the least of these. And here, Jesus uses the child to illustrate the point. Showing kindness to children who really can offer you nothing in return is actually serving Jesus. 
By taking care of the least of these who Jesus loved and died for, it's what he cares about the most. In fact, when we do that, when we lessen ourselves, we're actually elevating Jesus. When we're served, we are holding him up, not just to those being served, but to the world. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist told his followers that he, uh, Jesus, must increase and that he, John, must decrease. David Brainerd, a missionary to Native Americans in the 1700s, is quoted as saying, It is sweet to be nothing and less than nothing that Christ may be all in all. Let me repeat that. It is sweet to be nothing and less than nothing that Christ may be all in all. Now, Dr. Tony Evans makes an interesting point about this verse. He says that Jesus didn't correct the disciples for desiring to be great. Rather, he corrected them about what constitutes greatness. When you're a servant to others, you're great in the kingdom of God. When you suppress your pride and your standing, you become great in the kingdom. He writes, you must believe God, you must believe that God will honor your servanthood in history and in eternity. It doesn't matter what happens in here and now. It's that God's going to honor your servanthood in history and in eternity. Greatness in God's kingdom doesn't require a great miracle. And we don't have to perform great miracles to prove our love for Christ. Serving others, though, is the evidence of the humility that Christ values. In Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 4, Jesus tells the disciples, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility through serving those who can't do anything for you is one of the purest signs of being a Christ follower. In Matthew 25, we read of the final judgment when Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. Now listen to what he says to those on his right hand, the sheep. Starting in Matthew 25, verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So the second question the disciples were basically asking is, who is authorized to work in Jesus' name? So let's reread verse 38. John said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. Now, first of all, note how John referred to us. He was following us. Right on the heels of being taught about humility, John, the self-described disciple that Jesus loved, is talking about us, basically considering himself a, a key part of Team Jesus. But if you look closer, you see that the person John referred to as casting out demons in the name of Jesus. If you go back a couple of verses to Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 18, after uh, Peter, uh, Jesus, James, and John came off the mountain, they met that crowd, and they were surrounding a boy who was demon-possessed. And the disciples who were there weren't able to cast it out. In verse 28, they privately asked Jesus, they wait till they were alone with him, why they couldn't get rid of the de- get rid of the demon. So they're concerned that this other person who they didn't recognize, who wasn't part of their group, could. So they decided they have to stop the person they didn't recognize. They were probably expecting an attaboy from Jesus, but he says something different. First he says, don't stop him. Then in verse 40 he says, for the one who is not against us is for us. 
It's important to note that this stranger was casting out demons in Jesus' name. He was doing it through God's power, not his own power. And at the end of the day, this person was attempting to serve others in the name of Jesus. He was contributing to the mission. So back to verse 40. Jesus said, for the one who is not against us is for us. Now let's contrast that with what Jesus said in Matthew 12, uh, verse 30. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather scatters with me. So let's compare them again. For the one who is not against us is for us, and whoever is not with me is against me. All right, let's do it one more time. For the one who is not against us is for us, and whoever is not with me is against me. It's a little hard to follow, but it really is pretty clear cut, isn't it? Warren Wearsby writes, Both statements declare the impossibility of neutrality when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. You're either for him or you're against him. And since we cannot be neutral if we're not for him, we must be against him. And if we're not against him, we must be for him. The anonymous exorcist was bringing glory to Jesus' name, so he had to be for the Savior, not against him. That's what Jesus was teaching those disciples. Now, personally, I know I'm not against Jesus. That's easy to figure out. And we know there are people out there we come across in the world uh, who are it's maybe not as common here as it is in some other places, but there are people who are against Jesus. But the question I need to ask, I need to ask myself regularly is if I'm faithful in being for Jesus, is it clear to the people around me that I am actively for him, that how I act and what I say and how I treat people makes it clear that I'm for Jesus? Remember, you can't be neutral. You're either against him or you're for him. Am I serving people for his glory? And that's my goal, that everything I say and everything I do not only reveals to a hurting world that I'm for him, but that everything I say and everything I do brings glory to him. Now, I relate to these disciples, it seems like, all the time, and, and those poor guys continually trying to figure it out, and that's how I feel. But I thank, I thank God for these scriptures and these opportunities we have to hear what he has to teach us. And I thank God every day for his patience with me and for those I love and those around me in, in each of us that he gives us the chance of the patience to figure out what it means to live um, a life for Jesus. So I pray everything I say and do brings glory to him. I pray that that would be your heart as well. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.